mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. This is episode 24, and we are excited to talk about... We're excited to talk today. I'm, I'm glad it's Thursday. How about right? you, Ruth? Um, For sure, because we're not running. We're talking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so we are going to talk about... Um, you're doing multi- sort of like multiplication of fractions is kind of where you are. And we're going to talk about choral counting and counting collections right. with that because we participated in a Twitter chat this week. And we're going to help you plan what's next because <laughs> that's what we do on our run. And then we're going to continue a conversation that we had yesterday about math and social justice. And we're going to um, venture into territory that makes us a little bit nervous, but we're going to just go for it because we can't be the only people that are trying to figure these things out. I know we're not. We're late to the party, really. So (laughs) we're going to we're just going to try and and see where it goes. Was there something else? Um, I don't think so. Yeah. Thanks to those people who sent in um, their email and who uh, were able to get a little tiny prize from us. That was fun. And um, next week, also, you can look forward to another special guest. So um, that person is, um, we'll wait to announce that person for next week. So tell us kind of where you are and you're, you're getting ready to do some stations, right? So we have um, found two-thirds of six and no we've done six groups of two-thirds okay and three-fourths of 12 and had numerous discussions about the difference between how you model those the difference between what they mean did you see that tweet that i sent you from where i talked about where i made a poster about that like okay i used that yay good yes um and so that's kind of where we are and you know i'm still Yesterday, we had to test adding and subtracting and simplifying and equivalence. And the test had a lot of writing because I wanted you to explain because those are the foundations. And if you can't turn a mixed number into an improper fraction, multiplying mixed numbers is a little more difficult. Yeah. So I kind of got two things going. Um, I did have... So we did a test review, and if you were successful with it, then I just gave you this recipe of chocolate chip cookies and made a table on the board, like a ratio table, and said, this recipe is for 24 cookies. So what would you do with all of these ingredients for 48 cookies? And what would you do for 12? And what would you do for 8? Okay. And I probably changed the recipe a little bit to make more fractions and less whole numbers. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Um, And then they just worked in partners and figured it out. And I don't think I have – there's one class that I have someone who knows that, like the algorithm for multiplying fractions. So he just told everybody the algorithm and they – Which is – are you saying the algorithm is turn them into improper fractions and multiply? Okay. And even multiply across the top and multiply across the bottom. We haven't done that yet. We are – Still conceptual. Yeah. We're figuring it out. And there's so much merit in them saying, well, if I divide like three-fourths of 12, if I divide 12 by four, then I can just multiply it times three. Yeah. Well, yes. And guess what? That lends itself to beautifully when you have the algorithm and someone tells you to cross-divide. 
that's what that is. Yeah. But now you're seeing it and needing it, not just being told this is what you can do. So can I can I stop because I I've never taught it past what I taught this year, which is whole number times a fraction. Right. And I know conceptually you would do the whole distributive property. Is are you not going to do that, or are you going to go from that? Is yeah. the is the goal the improper fraction? It, it just sort of surprises me because there would be times where it wasn't for helpful. sure. You're so we haven't hit in a t- like they did it with the recipe and so i did have students who did the distributive property without knowing they did it like they had to cut two and a half cups in half and so you would take half of two and half of a half a half yeah but when a student says that they don't know it's the distributive property and I would venture to say they didn't know it was multiplication either because in their mind they did 12 divided by 2 and then they did half of a half, which means they, they'll they tell half you. Half divided by 2. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I have a couple kids in my class that, had, that really see and understand that, that. It's only a few, but a couple of them will point that out often. He'll say, we were really multiplying by, you know, he'll say it both ways because he gets it, which is cool. Not many. That's your goal. Your yeah. goal is to understand that multiplying by a half or taking half of something is dividing by two. But the misconception is for me to say, take half of something sounds like a subtraction problem. Yeah. We were talking about that So yesterday. when we talked about so what math problem did you do? Could you write this abstractly on your paper? I got a lot of kids who were like 12 minus a half. Okay, let's talk about that if you took half of 12. And so you write it on the board and someone's like, that doesn't equal six, hmm. you know? Yeah. So it's what you know about the problem and then how you speak it and being able to communicate it yeah. and having a written written portions on my test really helps me see who understands what it means to mm-hmm. simplify and who is just regurgitating something they've heard. Yeah. You know, like you have to divide the top and the bottom by a number and you just keep dividing till you can't divide anymore. Or someone else is like well, if you find the greatest common factor of the numerator and denominator and make a fraction that is equal to one and divide, you end up with an equivalent fraction. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot stronger explanation. Okay. So that's where you've been. Tell us, tell me so what you're So where we're going next. is you have to try everything new that you hear <laughs> and change your plans. Uh. <laughs> um, so our Twitter chat on whatever, Tuesday night. Yeah. From Stenhouse was, Math. Right was coral counting and counting collections. And I don't think I'm embarrassed to say it because I feel like most sixth grade math teachers would say it. I don't really see a need for counting Mm -hmm. in my classroom. Mm -hmm. But then participating in that chat Mm -hmm. and seeing that you can count polynomials. Yeah. I was just like, I could probably do something with this. And we have already done coral counting um, once in the class. We talked about it last time. We didn't really do coral counting. What did you call it? Oh, cons- consecutive counting. Yeah, yes. we both missed that part with <laughs> so, the first time we tried it. How dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So um, t- we're going to do choral counting. I'm not sure, you know, which how we're going to do that. But then I have my centers are going to be here are my fraction towers. They're already labeled like the holes and the thirds and whatever. And I just want them to count. I just want them to figure out how much is in each tub. Wait, you changed your mind. Last time you talked, we were going to you were going to do fraction blocks, pieces like or so I don't have as many of those. Okay. When I looked at my manipulatives, I didn't have as many. And yeah, I think the first time the fraction blocks make it more accessible because even if Tracy, I have some students who understanding of fractions is a little bit like a lot concerning. Mm -hmm. So if I can get them to (laughs) count all the orange pieces that are called thirds and understand that if I have 16 of those, then that's called 16 thirds. Okay. But, and then add that to how many sixths you have and try to figure out how many fifths you have. Are you going to find a common denominator? Or are you just going to make holes? That's what I'm looking for. All right. I have some questions. Okay, go. I just assume I'm, I'm antis- trying to anticipate what they're going to do. And if it was in my room, they'd just start snapping them together to make holes. And so are you going to be specific? Are you are you going to do like your entire bucket? Or yes. So they're going to, I think they're going to spend all of their time snapping them all together. So mine aren't snap. Mine are just blocks that line up and make a hole. Okay. So there's no flat tile kind. Yeah. Okay. But are they going to spend the whole time arranging them on your desk to make holes? It's not as fun as, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Okay. Maybe I, I'm just want to, I got to put it out there and, yeah, and see, see. Okay. what they do. Some of them, I'm hoping that they'll just like pile all of the oranges together and know that there are, or, okay, we've counted 17 of those. So how many holes is that? Okay. I have 17 and one third. What can I do with this third? Should I leave it here? Like, I just want to see what they're going to do. Okay. If they line it all up, they line it all up. I have, still have kids who, when I say how many fifths make a hole, Kind of look at me like, um, okay, 12. All right. So, and are they going to be group? So, yeah, that'll be, I take it back. That'll, and this is another one of those examples where we think it's too simple and, and then it turns out to that not seems be. seems to be like the, the theme of my yeah. fraction unit. Okay. So, so are you, okay, keep going. What else are you? So they'll do that, you know, I have two, three tubs and, I want to know how many are in all of them. And you can, maybe someone will count one tub and add it to the next tub. I really don't know. Like I, I haven't read the book. Maybe I'm not even doing counting collections the right way. (laughs) I'll report back how it goes. Yeah. Are you going to, um, I guess it's all a wait and see. You're going to have to observe and and kind of make it up as you go. But I wonder if you, if they're going to finish in the amount of time that you have. And if they don't, would you want them to like, leave a note for the next team and have the next team pick yeah, up where they left I off. I get to do it five times. So You'll I'll see. tell you the difference between the first okay. time I do it and cool. the last I'm time. I'm actually really excited to hear about that. That'd be um, cool. So then I have a variety of number lines that I made um, where the it's like it starts at zero and it ends at two and a half. And I want them to mark the halfway point. And once you've marked the halfway point on all of them, if you have more time, then there are two more hash marks 
which is a quarter of the way and three quarters of the way. Cool. And I want you to see if you can fill those in. And I want you to write how you know your, like what strategy you use to do it. And I feel like yesterday, like I even did one, what did I do? So I made a number line of one to three. Okay. Well, the middle of it is two. And I want them to write how they know. And then I'm like, I wonder if the student will be able to figure out that if you add the first number on the number line with the last number on the number line and divide it by two, you'll find the middle. Or will they do some kind of counting strategy? So you have the really easy one from one to three, and then you have to find the one and a half and two and a half. So they're kind of... Half, you're saying find the halfway b- point between zero and one and a half and the halfway point between zero and two and no. a half? On that particular number line, it starts with one and it ends with three. So the halfway point is two. Okay. And then you have to find the halfway point between one and two. Okay. And two and three. Okay. So you start there. Okay. Um, I kind of imagine that the center is just going to be 10 or 12 number lines and you can pick which ones you want to do. Is someone going to start there? Are they going to see that that one's the one that's most accessible to them? Are you doing it on paper? Are you doing it like with a whiteboard? What do you So... I've made them on paper and they're in page protectors so mm-hmm. that the kids can write on the number lines if they need to, but in their journals so okay. they can record their thoughts is because it's center. So I'm not going to be there and I really want to see yeah, what their thinking process is. So, so you're going to look back in their journals. I have, right. I have whiteboards on the desk and maybe I have enough expo markers to get through this activity because <laughs> it's May and they're gone. Yeah. Um, but so it'll be there if they need it, but then they have to transfer it to paper. So I have something to look at. Okay. And then the third station is going to be Splat, Steve Wyborny's <laughs> um, mix number. Yeah. What number is this? Cover it up. What's under it? If you've never if you've never seen it, you should go check it out. It's really cool. Well yeah. done. I'm excited to have listen to the conversations because I'm also thinking about the placement of my centers. So I'm going to be teaching a center where we're actually, you know, discovering multiply the tops and multiply the bottoms or multiply the numerators and the denominators. But I want to be able to hear the conversations that are going on. Yeah. Um, at the other stations, I even thought about like taking an iPad and re- like hitting voice memo so I could hear yeah. their conversation. Even if it was just in one class for one station, th- yeah. I think it would help you, you know, and it would be like you would have to talk about math because Mrs. E's recording what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I might just say I'm recording and put these iPads there and not <laughs> have them on. Cool. Can't talk about the Avengers now. Yeah, <laughs> Avengers. So, I those are my stations. Um, but today is when you I tell them about it. Today I have a, a short class, so I'll be able to explain them. Maybe get to one, and we'll finish them tomorrow. Okay. Um. Because we're going to do a number talk with mixed numbers. And I think I'm going to do counting by one and three-fourths. And we kind of had this conversation where that might be hard to do. Well, let's let's try it because I just said that. Okay. <sighs> so part of me was like if I were going to add one and three-fourths and one and three-fourths in my head – for part of choral counting, I would take three-fourths from the second add-in and slide it over and make a hole. So now I have 
two over there, and now I'm adding one and two-fourths. And so that puts me at three and two-fourths. That's really hard. You don't think that's what, – what happens when you add them? Do you do – I hadn't gotten there yet. I was thinking fourths. about one and three-four. I was thinking about first adding the whole, so I'm at two, and then I know that – Three-fourths plus three-fourths is one-and-a-half, so my brain is adding two plus one-and-a-half is three-and-a-half. So what if we counted seven-fourths instead of three-fourths, and we found a pattern, and then we could convert them to mixed numbers? Yeah. Isn't that what you did when you had three-fourths? Yeah. But what's the – you've already – you've. I know you said you didn't do it correctly because you didn't choral count. You consecutive counted <laughs> consecutively counted. But what's the advantage of using the same num- – basically the same number? What's the advantage to you? Well, I'm thinking about the fact that if you count by improper fractions seven-fourths, counting by sevens is something that – Everybody in in my class would still benefit from just having that numerator. It's not as easy to – yes, you can skip count, but it's not something I feel like everybody's solid in. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's safety in I did this once and now I'm trying something new. Safety for you. keep something the same. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you wrote it down. So part of both of us – well, I've – read part of the book let me be honest the coral counting and counting collections book. I have you have seen the title yeah um, <laughs> i've seen a picture i got of the it book. for christmas and i've and i've read a little bit of it so really you got it for christmas i did yeah you bought it for me oh, that's so cool. i i told you this is what i want for christmas buy this math book for me please um all right so part of what you do when you're planning one is that you write it down and you write it down a couple of different ways and and then see where you see some patterns and what we you probably wanted to point out was where it's going to be a whole number right which is right anytime the numerator is a multiple of four so like 28 is the first one for counting by seven fourths so you potentially want to put that on the end to point it out right right and so if i'm doing this right i've got 28 56 next would be 84 so this would so those are all fourths. They're at the end of this row. Yeah. And when we convert these back into mixed numbers, this would be 7, 14, 21. So we've seen the multiples of 21 going this way and putting That's 4 cool. in a row. Yeah. You would see them down the right. I, I just feel like I did such a poor job the first time. Mm-hmm. I got to at least Okay. Start there. And I think we would see the same patterns that we saw in three-fourths that I didn't point out. I didn't do a good job mm-hmm. pointing out. Well, I, they got to point them out, though. Right, right. But I'm also excited that I can do it on poster uh, – what's it called? Chart paper. Chart paper with different colored markers. Hence, the whole expo things are gone and I don't have access to colors. But – if when we did it in each class, then we could go back and compare and see if there's patterns that were found in one class that weren't found mm-hmm. in another. Mm-hmm. Or so. point out, look at what another class pointed out. You know, if yeah. if you have one class that doesn't see that, I think they'll see different things. My two classes saw different things, which was really cool. See, I get to do it five times. Yeah, yeah. girl. <laughs> <laughs>
That was a face of joy. <laughs> that was a what? A face of joy. Yeah, a face of fake joy. No, no, it is fun. I think it's really cool. Um, I like I like getting to reteach things. I'm not sure I would like it five times. Okay, so that's where I am. In yeah. a row. I like to reteach. Without but a break. Sometimes, especially the things that are really fun that get a reaction. Yeah. It's Get just a fun. bummer when they like <laughs> so, ruin it so and then it's which, not fun. Which class, like I'm I, there's got to be like an uphill, downhill. Like the first class you're figuring it out, the second and third. Which class does it tank for you? <laughs> um, well, it also depends on the year. Like this year, my last class, they're the students who are like, thank you, Mrs. E. Oh, so it's kind of like it ends at, okay, I can do this one more time. Cause these kids really appreciate yeah. the math. Yeah. Like I have some kids in there who just, and it's not even necessarily my A students. It's just kids who are like, wow. Yeah. Um, but so I do it once and then I do it again and then we go to lunch and that after lunch group is, it's a tough class. Mm-hmm. I do have to do a lot of behavior management. And mm-hmm. so a lot of the math gets lost. And so they you always have the te- highest test average. Like They really? do? Oh, yeah. It's huh. really bizarre. Huh. Like, do you even need me? What? <laughs> <laughs> so. Cool. All right. Well, I'm, I'm anxious to hear how you're... Coral yeah, counting like, by seven fourths goes. Yeah, I'll let you know. In counting fraction blocks. Did you catch that part about how if you if they start to like nobody's really able to say what's next, or maybe only one person is the one who's like counting? You should stop and say, "Hold on, let's go back and get our um, rhythm. Get our rhythm." You know, you do that with like little kids learning to count by fives. They get lost, and you'll be like, "Wait, go back a little bit. Let's start back here." And get the get the rhythm, and then they can pick back up from there. So, I don't know if if you're gonna get the rhythm with seven fourths, fourteen fourths, but can they count? Can they count by sevens? I don't know. I mean, as a sixth grade math teacher, you just have assumptions about certain things, and that would be something that I would assume. Yeah. Yes, but my answer is, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. In my class, we sing the sevens, so. It would be interesting to see what my people do with that. It would be yeah. interesting for me to teach them how to sing the sevens and for you to say, that is not the tune. <laughs> we what have to tell a story. That? I have to tell. This is throw Ruth under the bus day, I think. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> when, when, um, when I was student teaching, right? That's what it was? No, you were employed. Oh, okay, well. You were we, my colleague. What was the song? <laughs> Clap your no, that's the wrong Head, part. Shoulder, Head, knees shoulder, and toes. yeah. Even Jay knows this song. We were we made up something. I know the song and the story. Made up something to head, shoulders, knees, and toes. It was and, the ocean zones. Yeah, and and Ruth was like, I don't know this tune. This doesn't work out. And turns out you had learned a different version of Head, Shoulders, Knees, and Toes that ended with Clap your hands for Jesus. <laughs> And I was like, that's not the song. That's not how it goes. <laughs> well, how does yours end? Um, oh, eyes and, e- and, and mouth and nose. nose head, head, shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes. And toes. And toes. So she writes the song for Ocean Zones. And both of us are the science teachers and we kind of plan together. And I'm like, okay, we're going to teach it. And we had motions. We were like on our chairs for the sunlight zone and then on the floor for twilight yeah, and then laying down on the floor for midnight. So we were really 
doing kinesthetic music, whatever. And I just was like, because you had to clap your hands and I just couldn't (laughs) fit all those words in there. And Tracy brings her whole entire class across the hall because she heard me. So I'm not the quietest teacher on the hallway. <laughs> and they're just all standing there shaking their heads. Like, no, see. So we get all the classes together and Tracy teaches the song. Like, I don't even know where that tune came from. But in my Sunday school class, we just ended it. And you know what I found out later? What? My mom is probably the culprit of that. Because uh-huh. when she's saying twinkle, twinkle to my kids, twinkle, twinkle, little star. Uh-huh. She just would end it, twinkle, twinkle, all the night. And she just did it the same way every time. She just made up her own ending. And so if I hear that, and now you say, sing this to the tune of twinkle, twinkle, (laughs) you're going to end it randomly in the middle. That's funny. That's how my mom ended it. So let's throw my mom under the bus. Okay. I can't do that. Uh, Yeah. I can't be part of that. For lack of music. So it's not your fault. Yeah. That's funny. All so. right. Well, are we ready, are we ready to tackle yeah. the second half? So yesterday on the run, I don't really know what prompted us to talk about it yesterday. Do you? you? No, I think you Pretty just sure, were Tracy, like you prompted it. Yeah, yeah. But I've been thinking have. about something. I've yeah. really been thinking about social justice in the classroom. Yeah. To which I was like, "What's that? Why not?" No, I said, <laughs> "Why don't you tell me about that?" <laughs> <laughs> And I, I'm a good teacher. Yeah, that's right. You asked the right question. And I kind of flubbed my way through trying to describe what that meant. Like, in my mind, it's one of those big words that there's all these things attached to it that I know are part of that. But when somebody asked me to define it, I was like, I don't really know. So I said well, something. I think it's easier to, to, you know, talk about it to somebody who has some sort of understanding already. Right. But when you were trying to give the definition to somebody who doesn't understand who's not quite sure what the word means, you have to really back up to more elemental dis- Which definition. Which is a really good question. Like, I'm glad I talked to you about it because... Right. And I, I think what I Because I just w- nod usually when she's talking right. to me yeah. about stuff. So what I took away from it, because I still don't know what your definition is that okay. you're getting ready to share, yeah. was how students are affected by the way that we say things, mm-hmm. um, the way that we talk about them, not necessarily to their face, but to other colleagues. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the low students, um, my high group. Mm-hmm. They pick up on that. Um, we talked a little bit about it because you said that Trip knows that. Yeah. We didn't call it social justice, but we've talked about it before in how we don't use... Um, high level groups and the red robins and the blue jays and whatever because kids can pick up on that yeah. and so and yesterday you said something that I hadn't thought about before but we talked about the achievement gap and you called it the opportunity gap which yeah. then led us into the conversation of the lack of opportunity that some kids have to do math before they come to school or even during school and how that leads them to needing more time to touch those manipulatives or talk mm-hmm. about those things because they don't have those opportunities at home. So that's yeah. kind of where we left it off right. yesterday. So I so I did some looking to try to find a better definition because mine was my on the spot definition was not 
well done. Although you, you're, Whitney, I'm here, you say it back. You're saying some of the important parts of it, I think. Um, so this is from Lee Ann Bell. So this is from Lee Ann Bell in 1997. It says, social justice education is both a process and a goal. The goal of social justice education is full and equal participation of all groups in society that is mutually shaped to meet their needs. Social justice includes a vision of society in which the distribution of resources is equitable and all members are physically and psychologically safe and secure. We envision a society in which individuals are both self-determining, able to develop their full capability, capacities, and interdependent, capable of interacting democratically with others. So that, did that hmm. make sense? You know sense what I to took you? out of that? What? 1997. Yeah, we're, we're late to the party. <laughs> Way late to the party. <laughs> really, guys, we're only 22 years late. Yeah. Um, so I kind of want to trace back, like, where did this conversation come from in my head like why am I thinking about it and I think that part of it is my classwork at VCU that one of the very first things that we did in our pedagogy leadership kind of classes was that we had to look at theorists and you know how in your like general education classes you're going to look at um I don't know help me out with some names here Dewey and um, Piaget. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, those okay. that we've forgotten from those 20 years. Yeah, 20 okay. years ago, right? Well, we had to look at more recent, I, mm, or maybe people that are more specifically impacting math and okay. not just those that we all are aware of, right? So um, one of them was Gloria Ladson Billings and another was Paolo Fiere. And he is, she's an African American researcher and he is Brazilian. And they both, you have something to say? I about? just, his book came up at a conversation at school this week. Yeah. Or at work this week. Cool. Um, it is, do you know the name of his book? No. I'll come up with it in just a second. Yeah. But they, but they both are interested in this intersection of like, you know, race and social justice. And so they're, they're, they're attack, not attacking, but writing about and researching education through that lens. And, and that was the first time I ever heard of that being a thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I, I remember having this conversation a long time ago with my friend, Rachel, like who we've, who we've had here before, um, I'm, I didn't know that that was a thing, that math and I don't know that I use the word social justice, but maybe racism at, at my in my in my current level of understanding. I didn't know that that was like a thing that people put together and study together or work on together. And, and I was like, I'm interested in that. But I didn't know what to do about it or what, to, you know. So the next thing, what, did you find it? It's called Pedagogy of the Oppressed. OK, yeah. And it just came up in a conversation on Monday or cool. I guess Monday. Um with a, a librarian that I work with oh. and she had s said the book had come up. She was at a conference last week and yeah, she said it come up more than once. So she wanted to send it out. And then I was looking at it in her office and thought, huh, maybe I need to take a look at this. Yeah. And now you bring it up. So I'm guessing I should probably. Yeah. You should probably <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't lose it though. That's what oh, you <laughs> that <laughs> Sorry, Jake. So then. I'm not going to buy it for you. That way I, if I lose it, it's not. Yeah. Then um, the principles to actions book, which is NCTM's. Okay. Kind of like this is how you should teach. You know, a bunch of smart people got together in a in many many rooms and were like, "What are the important things? Let's put it in one book." And we've talked about that book a lot, right? Mm -hmm. But I got assigned to the at the beginning of all of this same VCU stuff. 
we broke up chapters and I got assigned the access and equity section. And so I had to like delve into, or, you know, dive into that and really understand it. And we've, we've talked a lot about that when, about what equity meant at that point. Right. Um, and I, I wrote down another one of those that I want to read. So out of principles to actions, it says one of the five essential elements of effective school mathematics programs is access and equity. And then here's just one quote. You should certainly read the whole thing, but equity is attained when students, re- when students receive the differentiated supports for example, time, instruction, curriculum materials, programs necessary to ensure that all students are mathematically successful. So it's not the same as providing the same thing for everybody. It's equity is providing what everybody needs to be successful, which is going to vary. What each individual needs. Right, exactly, which is going to vary greatly. Yes. Um, and that's different than than what you know, how we had been thinking about how I had been thinking about it, at least. So those are where some of the big things are coming from, like where this started. Um, And then we both talked to you, you remembered who it was, but we both talked about how um, diversifying who's giving you messages and being purposeful about that right. is important. So we, you remembered that it was Christopher Danielson on Twitter. And the thing that stuck out was he, he said, this was a long thread that we'll put in there that was really well written. Um, but here, I should just read it, shouldn't I? This was, the, this was the tweet that you remembered. He said, I follow little black babies, which is like a Twitter account because of cute babies, but also because it burns into my brain on a daily basis, beautiful, loving images of black families that contrast with many of the images the world burns into my brain. He says, um, an important part of resistance in, well, this is an earlier tweet, but, um, an important part of the resistance is normalizing non-whiteness were his words. Those were good words. Um, so then he goes on to say how, Um, I follow interesting and talkative people of color so that fresh perspectives are a regular part of my days. You should do that, too. I'm wary of lists, but you could make a habit of following every person of color that someone you respect retweets. Concrete step right there. And so that has been my biggest teacher for sure. That's what I I decided. Okay, I I can do that. That's a good start. Mm -hmm. And that's what I do. And I followed... I mean, I, I really just do that. If, if I see a person of color that's a teacher, even if it's not a math teacher, I, I pretty much follow that person. Um, so maybe that's where I – because I remember that conversation and thought I need to do that too. Mm-hmm. But my stipulation is that you have to be a math teacher for me to follow you on Twitter so that I can be less distracted with other things when I'm on Twitter and I can call it professional development because mm-hmm. it's just math teachers that I'm – so are you, are you thinking you might change that? Maybe. I mean, I'm thinking that I might include, and I mean, this is probably a good time to bring up another time to throw me under the bus. But when we went to NCTM and I had, or VCTM, mm-hmm. and I had planned this MIT boss presentation, which was pretty much like, this is a great resource for math teachers. This is how it works. Right. This is what I put in my search engine, MIT boss, and what I'm getting ready to teach and look at yeah. all of these people. And then at the last hour, I found out that I wasn't standing in front of the classroom talking about teachers. I was going to be at a table session yeah. and I had to have something for them to look at. 
So it's the night before and I'm printing off these Twitter people that I know. Jay's laughing because he was there watching it happen. <laughs> yeah. And we ended up, uh, so it, you know, we're, it's all glued and it looks great and we're going to present it. And I don't think we even said anything about it we until did it. I was done. On like, maybe it was on the way home or I had presented it twice. And every single person that I cut out and glued on that thing was white. Yeah. There was, and that doesn't mean that those are the only ones I follow. It just means that when I was like, okay, who do I need for elementary? Who's really good? Mm-hmm. It was the people that, I don't know. Like I, if I had put a little bit of thought into it, yeah. we even, as soon as you and I realized it, we started naming people mm-hmm. that we could have put on there that I yeah. made a list. He said he's wary of lists, but I'm going to share some because if you're like us, then you right. want it. All right. So, and you said they're wary of lists? Christopher Danielson. Okay. I just want to so, make sure we're still talking about the same guy. Um, and and I'm going to botch all the pr- pronunciation of names, which I know is a really terrible thing to do. So I apologize in advance. Okay. Um, Jose Luis Vilson, maybe. And he just present, he was one of the like main speakers at NCTM and he's a teacher. And that was kind of a big deal that often the main speakers at NCTM are researchers, professors, thought people, and not legit teachers, but he's a legit teacher. So that was a big, a big deal. Robert Berry is the president Mm -hmm. of nctm and also is at uva right or william and mary or somewhere local right uva yeah and he's you know someone i follow i Mm -hmm. read his tweets all the time i just didn't didn't think about it yeah it out and put um talitha i think talithia talitha williams who um I think is also a professor, but she, Harvey Mudd, man, I'm going to be really sorry if I mess some of these up. Um, but she wrote a book about um, women in math, women in mathematics that I hope to get soon. Um, Marion Dingle is a teacher and she posts a lot about this topic. I think she's a great person to follow. Um, Hema Kodai, maybe? That's my guess. Um, and also a teacher, Dr. Christopher Childs. And he has podcasts, I think, that he he does. And then Rafrans Davis is not a math teacher, but she is posts about um, – well, she posts a lot about BTS. Is that the right – the Korean, like, pop singers? <laughs> but she also um, – <laughs> is that the right name for it? I think because they were on Saturday Night Live this past week. Yeah. Um, but she also – she's – Techno- she does technology. So she's like a district technology person. I just listened to a, um, another podcast by Ann Schwartz, who's not a person of color, but but um, has a podcast that she is kind of reviving about social justice and math and education. And, and the episode that I'm currently listening to, it's like I went way back in her episodes and I'm listening to the one with Rafran Davis. It is very obvious that you were on spring break. Yeah, right. <laughs> so true. This podcast and this article. This podcast is brought to you by Spring Break. Yes. Yes. Okay. Let so me that's... just whip out this research that I did for this podcast. Uh, this morning. But I but but these are all people that I've that I have been following. Right. And um we'll put that link the list and I'm sure there's other lists. I've seen one before where it's just like someone's done the well, work. Well and of sometimes a list. it's you don't even necessarily need a list, but if you go to I'm going to say Marion Dingle because I know I follow her, 
but have I gone to see who she follows? Yeah. And you could really increase your yeah. Twitter feed just by looking at. Exactly. Yeah. And maybe go to Christopher Danielson's page and see who he's following these days. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's lots of things that I could do that are concrete moves to yeah. just be more aware. Right. And then so and then just listen, you know, just just see what people are talking about and then keep thinking about it. I don't know. Right. It's just something to process. And so we talked a little bit about this too, but I read this article by Mike Rowe about college. And I mentioned that one of the takeaways from the conversation I had with you was the way we talk about students. Yeah. Even the way we think about students. Yeah. You know, like, okay, so I don't use the words low group, high group. But do I still think about students like, oh, she's really low. And so I feel like you have to really even change the way you think because students pick up on that. And if it's a lack of opportunity, then what can I do to provide this student with more opportunities? Yeah. Um, So that I don't say something to... Like, I want to be the teacher who changes the way she thinks about math, even if she doesn't walk away with all the math knowledge she necessarily needs as a prerequisite for her next class. Mm-hmm. Um, and this whole college scandal, Mike yeah. Rowe's point was part of this is our fault as a society because we have said things to students like, you better get your GPA up in high school. So you can go to college, otherwise you're going to have to be a welder, or Mm -hmm. otherwise you're going to have to be a mechanic, or you're just going to be a plumber. And we've taken that, we're pretty much telling them that these jobs make you less of a person than a Mm college-educated whatever. And so students are being encouraged by their parents to take on $100,000 worth of debt right outside of high school, maybe you don't even know what you want to do. Right. But we as adults or parents are saying, well, go your freshman year. It's okay if you don't know what you want to do. You can figure it out. Let's just pay $25,000 or $30,000 for you to figure out what you want to do. Yeah. So I, I'm more aware of that too as I have my son graduating from college. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like I – it's one of those, oops, did I miss it? You know? Yeah. Um, well, I think it's, you know, and you, I think some people realize even if they do get stuck in that culture, because, you know, I went to college right out of high school and graduated and, and, and did fine. But my brother went to college right out of high school, spent a semester and realized it was not, it was not for him. He was not getting what he, what he needed. He was not, it was not a good investment, all those things. And um, came back home, ended up going to community college and getting a job and was wildly successful there and, you know, has, has, it came out of that. Um, and so, he, you know, I think kind of as being the the second kid, Jay went to college, so I guess I need to go to college and go away to you – know, it was a state school, so it wasn't like he, he didn't take on $20,000 of debt in one in one year. But it was, you know, it was enough for him to realize that that path was not – was not necessarily what he needed to take. Well, and good for your parents. Yeah. For saying, 
okay, come home. We understand that. But all of us know that there are parents who are like, no way. This is what you got to do. Stick it out. Yeah. So there's just so many options and we don't talk about it enough. We just listen. Like you said, we listen and what we hear, then we repeat. And is it really, really digested? And are we repeating something that we honestly believe? Because Mm -hmm. I can honestly tell you that I would be 100% okay if my son was a mechanic or a welder or a plumber or a manager of a fast food restaurant, like a job that didn't require a college degree. Do I want him to be all that he can be and, you know, know what God has his plan? Yes. And so he's graduating in May. I feel like he should, <laughs> it was God's plan for him to have a college degree in forensic yeah. science. That's where he's studying. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's something to think about, especially when we are molding the minds of these children. It's got to be okay to finish high school and do something that you're, that you're interested in. Yeah. I also saw a high school, I think in Minnesota, that they have the college athletes who have a signing day because they're going to a college to play their sport. Well, they have a signing day for kids who have already established a job and you're going to be, you know, a tradesman. And so they have a big day for those kids as well because they're leaving high school and they have a job. Yeah, I like that. So, gosh, it's already almost time for you to go to work. <laughs> you to go oh, work. You like that? Oh, that was, Sorry. That was tough. That was dirty. Um, but I get to do coral counting, so it's on. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. So um, we didn't bring up all of the things that we had in mind because it's going to be didn't. an ongoing conversation. Yeah, but I say, think. You know, we'll, we'll have another podcast and we can. Yeah. You know, this yeah. is not a this is not a, a one episode conversation exactly. this has got to be a permeating conversation that was really good jay that was that was strong well yeah. well done maybe don't, we don't could so add this to our like guest speaker yeah questions you know like this is just something that we can keep in the forefront of our minds because yeah. when it's there you're aware of it yeah and and i guess what started what started this whole conversation for me is that or the like the run, and I had talked to Jay a day or so earlier. Was that like I'm from from the things that I've been reading? I'm realizing that this is so important. Education, like I was telling you yesterday, education is political, and I don't mean political as in you know Republican and Democrat, but bigger than that. And by not talking about math and the intersection of equality and access and equity. Um, did I say that wrong? No, no. I just, uh, people often interchange equality and equity and they're not, okay. and they're not they are not interchangeable. They Thank can you. sometimes be similar, but they're not okay. interchangeable. So by not talking about math and access and equity, by, by the fact that we haven't mentioned that in 22 episodes says something, you know, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of over that. I'm, I'm ready to, say that this is on my mind and um I'm glad it is and and I don't have it right at all you know and I'm lear- I'm still learning and so that's where we are try like admitting that we don't know it and we're trying to figure it out and 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 not just like say the right things and read the right things but then what is that going to look like in my classroom what is that going to look like when I talk to people in my school building who have who this is not on their radar at all you know, and how do you approach people? When do you approach people who are maybe 
doing something that's not in line with the idea of access and equity and how do you like so all of that that's lots of stuff yeah so it's on our it's on our brains and and one of my okay so here's here's my hoping someone will listen to this and (laughs) and and help us out but one of my things is that I want to know more and just reading, you know, 200 and some characters on Twitter is not enough, you know? And so I, I want to dig in and read some books, but there are so many books that I kind of like am frozen right now of which book, if I, you know, where should I start? And so I'm hoping that someone will listen and go, this is where you should start. This is a good place. Um, Cause I'm coming up on, I'll have more reading time um, soon. So check, check. Yeah. Okay. And then, you read something too, and we'll share back and right? forth. <laughs> so I do need to say this because it hasn't come up in this episode, but about the same time that equity entered into my education vocabulary where I talked about a lot, so did low floor, high ceiling task. Which they're of... related. Oh, for right? sure. But we hadn't said that in this episode. Yeah. And when you said equity, oh. I was like, ooh, good job. Let's <laughs> insert <funny>. that. <laughs> All right. Bing. So we need I'll we needed the some... real sound effect Yeah. There. Yeah, good. We need some takeaways. What's your what's your takeaway? I think my takeaway is we're late to the bus. Yeah, right. Like I'm still trying to digest the fact that that article was written in 1997. Yeah. And that's the year I started teaching. Yeah. And just because you so I was am a privileged white teacher mm-hmm. who grew up in a private school kindergarten to 12th grade went to a private university mm-hmm. had both parents in my life during my whole education mm-hmm. met my husband at one of those institutions our kids are in that same institution it's yeah. just kind of like just because i taught in an inner city low socioeconomic school didn't mean that I didn't have so much to learn. Like, yeah, I, yeah, it was just kind of like, that was 1997. And Mm -hmm. I thought that I had it all together. Like, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I graduated college. I had, was married and had a kid and look at me now I'm going to teach first graders. Mm -hmm. And this was going on and I was completely oblivious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we won't we won't share some of those things, but I, I we made a lot of mistakes in in two thousand and four. Yeah. You know when we were first teaching together. Yeah, maybe we'll talk about I'm that. I'm a little in bit other. older than Tracy. Yeah, someone got that whole math. From yeah, ninety seven. <laughs> she shows up in two thousand four. Yeah. Took a lot of catch up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, so. you know better, you do better. That's what I. That's what I right. say. That's and a good we're, takeaway. Too. And we're trying to we're trying to know more so that we do better. Yeah. Um, my takeaway is. That I am trying to not use the words low kids and high kids, but you and me, when we run, we still talk about it. It's still part of our conversation. And we we say it. We don't use those words, but we say like the kids who struggle or, you know, the like and we've got to do something different about that. And so I'm I'm calling myself out and saying, you're my safe place. We're going to like, you know. We're going to get it right with you, figure it out there, and then try to use it at work. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we need, like... So if anyone knows what you should or... Yeah, how do you... How do you have those conversations about differentiation and 
how you teach differently to two different groups in your classroom. Yeah. Heterogeneous groups. How do you say that? What's the right way? Right. If someone's got it, yeah. I'll say it if I know the right way. Yeah. I'm probably going to spend most of my day searching Twitter for – I know people have posted, don't say these words. Well, hopefully they've followed up with – Say these words. Do the, say these words. That's the only part I've gotten so far is I know that's not right. So okay. I'll, I'll, I'll do some Twitter searching. All right. You got a takeaway, Jay? Well, one is to, to get this book, Pedagogy of the Press, okay. and, and you know – Read it or read through it or get, you know, figure out where to go from there. Cliff notes. (laughs) Summarize it for us. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, that and I was thinking you guys were talking. I I work on a college campus and social justice is more, at least on on my campus and and recently, it plays a lot, is a lot more visible, just the idea of it, than it ever was when I worked in in K-12. Yes. And just, you know, it, it was... I'm not going to say it was missing in K-12, but it wasn't it wasn't the the focus as it as it is and has become on my campus recently. Um, and there's a lot of resources there and there's a lot of good people there that I see things, you know, I, I am I am um, not experienced, but I, I get exposed to it, you know, at various places here and there. And, and you know, I've gone to, you know, specific trainings and workshops with the intention of, of getting of getting better and having a better understanding. But there's so much more there that I could take part in and, you know, be, better understand. And, and really, really, I have those opportunities I need to take, make better use of those opportunities. And yeah. um, because I am fortunate enough to have it, a lot more there than than I did before. Yeah, and and kind of like what Ruth was saying, like you you might hear something that's not exactly aligned with your interest or content or topic or whatever, but it, there's still value in hearing someone who's doing some of the same work within their own field. Yeah, yeah. I work almost primary, almost in, entirely with faculty members. I don't interact with students that often, um, and a lot of times in my head I say, well, that's you know that's a student event. I, you know, not that I can't learn anything, but I, you know, focus in my energy and efforts working with faculty members. Um, but I think that has also caused me to not yeah. be exposed to some things and miss some things that I should, you know, I, I do that to try to protect my time. But I think I think it's important to 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 cross over, to, you know, to 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 just learn more. Yeah, good. That's a good takeaway. All right, so we we really are. Um, if you have ideas or things you want to point us to, like, please share those. And, and we want this to be an ongoing conversation. And and I guess we're apologizing that if you're listening to this thinking we were going to tell you about how to make social justice work, <laughs> we're, <laughs> nope. we're coming for information. Yeah. We just have more questions than yeah. solutions. All right. Which means it's just something to work on. So. Yep. All right. All right. So we'll see you tomorrow on a run, Ruth. Okay. All right. Thank you.